Well, hello, fellow streakers. We are back uh, for another great podcast, and we are continuing our conversation with Mr. John Fisher. It has been such a pleasure. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to the first podcast that we had with him, Jamie. Go back and listen to the first one, because then you'll get to know John, and you're going to love you're going to love listening. This is absolutely. great. Absolutely. We've just been fully inspired as we've been talking with John, a fellow streaker. And we don't, so we're not going to take a lot of time on um, some updates that uh, we have that are coming down the pike, but because we want to get right back into it with John. And where we left off was really, John, talking with you about, you know, our kids need our time and our energy. And that's, that's really what they're interested in is our time and in serving in that way. And as we, as we talk about streaking and, you know, in the last one, we were getting to know you a little bit. We're going to start transitioning a little bit into what it was about streaking that attracted you and why you kind of went for it. But, bef- but just before we do that, you know, there's the four areas that we talk about of who you want to be or who you want to become. And that is in your personal life, your professional life, in your physical life and in your spiritual life. And as, as we talked last, John, I mean, we hit all four of those categories. Um, just, just again, at a, we, we've talked about a little bit about you professionally, as far as a uh, lawyer is concerned, and uh, personal life. We've talked a little bit about your relationship uh, with your children and with your wife and, and those things. Um, we, haven't, we haven't heard a lot about your physical life yet, but I know that you are a man that enjoys uh, good exercise and, and keeping yourself fit. We talked a little bit about your spiritual life, but I'm curious, if you don't mind, I'd like to go into the spiritual and then into the physical for just a second. You had mentioned that you hadn't always had a relationship with God and that that was something that, that you know, kind of came or something like that, or maybe I misunderstood, but tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, sure. But no, I, I, I would say that I've always had a very strong relationship with God and faith is okay. such an important part of my life. And, okay, and good. from an early age, when I went to college, um, it has always been very important, but I will say this, uh, challenging my faith has always been a very important part. So I read all the time and I challenge concepts. And when people talk about evangelization, they think about someone standing on sort of like a, a prop and shouting from a bullhorn, but that's not what evangelization is in my opinion. To me, it's speaking to people about your faith experience. What, what, ha- what has happened in your life that has had a profound experience with God. And I'll give you a very quick example of this. In 1997, my mother called me while I was working in Albany, New York, and she said that she had just found out that she had cancer, colon cancer. And I was very close to my mother, always am. She's a lot, you know, and I was like, I was unbelievably upset by this. And she said, we don't know what the outcome is gonna be here. I might die from this. And the tumor is really big. Wow. That night in Albany, New York, I just walked around my apartment and my wife went to bed and there was no way I was going to sleep that night. So I just walked the streets of Albany. I get back to the apartment. It's a hot summer night and I'm sitting on a plaid couch and there is no way that I'm going to sleep that night at all. And there's a bookshelf in front of me and it's got probably a couple hundred books on it. And I look up there and just for no reason at all, I just walk up to the bookshelf. I pull a book out and I just open the book. It turns out I open it to a page of a book that's by Dale Carnegie called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And the page that I opened it to, I think was page 206. And it turns out my eyes went immediately to a a block quote 
which was St. Francis's, um, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting it now, but it was St. Francis's prayer. And as I read about his prayer, uh, seek not to console, but I mean, seek not to, I, I forget the exact words, but the reality is what, when I let, when I read St. Francis's prayer, all of the anxiety sort of just drained out of my head all the way out of my body. And I was like, holy cow, these words were meant for me at that moment. And, and as a result, uh, Jeff and Jamie, what happened was at that point, I went from extreme anxiety and stress to sort of saying, hey, I'm going to trust in God's plan right now. And if God's plan is to take my mother, then so be it, because that's God's plan. And not that I understand why this would happen, but mm. I'm OK with it. So my mother had the operation. About a few days after the operation, we had a meeting with the surgeon about whether the cancer had spread and the results of a biopsy. And I went into that meeting and I was totally comforting and consoling my mother, my father, and my three sisters. And I was praying and I would say, hey, you know, whatever God's plan is, we're going to live with that here as a family. Turns out we got excellent advice, which the cancer was found early enough that it had not spread. And then my mother is alive and well to this day, which is 25 years later, really. Wow, congratulations. And, and so, you know, the two points of that story is that is my faith experience. And that faith experience um, led me to share this story, um, yeah. you know, with other people because they need to know, we need to share our experiences in life and how they have impacted us because the prayer of St. Francis is such a powerful thing. It begins with, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's ha hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. So that's the beginning of the prayer of St. Francis. And it is such an amazing prayer. And uh, that goes, that's 800 years old. But it, that faith experience helped me through one of the most difficult times of my life. And I think that what, what people of faith don't do enough of is share their faith experience, because I can guarantee virtually everyone has an experience that's similar to that, but they're not sharing it. Yeah. And then when the young kids hear about stuff like this, they're like, you know, I, I've had something that's similar to that. And I can, I can understand what you're saying, but life is full of faith experiences. Yeah. And in my view, when I spend time in the classroom of silence in prayer and thought with God, that's where messages become clear to me. Um, and, and so that, that is my, my faith experience, but my faith has always been a big part of my life. Yeah. And, um, I, and is that from, from the time you were a boy, it's, it's been a big part of your life. And is that due to your parents, were your parents uh, faith-based and so forth? Or was there an experience that you had that kind of led you in yeah, that direction? A total dichotomy on that one. My, my father <laughs> was a very successful lawyer, but he was also a lifelong chronic alcoholic. Uh -huh. And um, so almost every day he would come home intoxicated. And uh -huh. as a young child, sometimes I would pick him up off the floor and bring him up to his bed at home. And my mother is a very devout Christian. And I learned everything, not through what she told me about how to live my life, but from her example. And so real quick, when I was eight years old, I'm coming back from church, driving away from our church with my mother. And in the distance down the street, we could see a homeless person just walking down the street. And my mother starts to pull over the car to the homeless person. I'm like, I'm an eight-year-old kid. What are you doing? Why are we pulling <laughs> over to the homeless person? 
And then my mother wheels down the window. Back then it was before these, you know, the buttons that bring the windows down. Yes. And she said, oh, can I take you home? And he just got in the back of our car. We drove him to the group home where he lived. And my mother said goodbye. And I doubt that the homeless person ever gave that another thought in his life. But an eight-year-old little boy learned a lesson that he would never forget, which is homeless people have, have the same value in God's eyes that, that we have in God's eyes. You know, they're, they're gifts to the world. And the reality is no one looks at them that way. We look at them like, oh, you know, look away and, and, and everything like that. So Jeff and Jamie, I've never looked at a homeless person different since that day when I was eight years old. And because of the example that my mother set through the way that she lived her life. One other real quick story. I'm down in Florida visiting my mother about six months ago. I'm on the beach. Some stranger comes up to me and gives me a bear hug. <laughs> and I'm like, what on earth is going on here? And so... I said, uh, I'm sorry, who do you think that I am? And he said, well, you're Sally Fisher's son, aren't you? And I'm like, well, yeah, but, but I'm really still lost at this point. And then he told me that my, what, the reason he gave me the hug was my mother, he had a severely disabled a brother who as an adult was in a wheelchair, brain damaged, could not speak, could not, basically non-functional. And for years, my mother had been going to this group home and just paying a visit to this, this person and just talking to them, reading books, things like that. And she didn't tell anyone about it. She just did it. And I didn't even know she was doing any of this stuff. And then, but this person knew because this was the, the handicapped person's brother. And he was so grateful for that. And when I think of examples like that, it's just sort of like my mother gave to somebody who's disabled, who's not able to express appreciation, and he died, this person. And so, but what a nice, wonderful thing that that my mother was showing that person that his life mattered. And that's so important because when somebody is disabled and handicapped, their lives are just as valuable as yours and mine. And unfortunately, not everyone cares or spends the time with them. So I've learned so much from the example set by my mother, and it's really had a profound impact on my life. Absolutely. As a mom, I just love that. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing the teaching by example. And, and just as you were talking, I thought, really, I guess we change the world one person at a time, small and simple things, just one person at a time. Absolutely. And our- wow. I think our kids are going to learn not from what we tell them, but how we live our lives. And if we live good lives that are of serving other people, then they're going to be like, wait, you know, that's what I learned from my father and my mother. And maybe I should be doing the same thing. And so I, I have to say that I am discouraged, not by my children, but when sometimes I see young people who work for my law firm and it's sort of like, you know, what can I get out of this? How, how, when can I go drinking at the bar? When can I uh, get as much money from this guy as possible? And all I, all I keep thinking to myself is stop thinking about yourself. Stop thinking, start thinking about what you can do for other people and your employer. And, and unfortunately, I just don't see that a lot with people in their 20s these days. And was it like that when we were in our twenties? Probably, uh, but what can you do? You know, it's, it's just unfortunate. Which is honestly one of the reasons what Jamie and I have found is as we talk to audiences uh, about streaking and what streaking is, 
it's really the 20 year old audience that are really starting to look at streaking and say, what this, this has something to do with what I want to be going forward and how I want to do it. And, and I think this is a perfect segue into what was it that attracted you, John, to streaking? Because you had lived the principles of streaking really all of your life. I mean, you, you looked at the small and simple things because where Jamie and I really looked at and came up with the framework of streaking is just looking on people's lives like yours and others, where what we found is they, law number one of streaking is you make it laughably simple. Law number two, you keep a record on whether or not you did that thing that day. And law number three is you create a community around it. And the challenge is, is not about the activity that you're doing. It's how many days in a row you can actually do that activity, be it in whatever part of your life as you aim toward, you know, a spiritual life or a physical fit life or a personal or professional life. It applies in any one of those areas. And so what walk us down that path a little bit. I mean, I know you and I, we met through a Franklin Covey engagement of the four disciplines of execution. And I think from there, I, I didn't personally introduce you to streaking. I think you probably looked at my LinkedIn bio or something. I, I'm not sure where, but just walk us on that path a little bit. Well, I, I will. And, and so we met simply fortuitously through, uh, I reached out to Franklin Covey, which I absolutely love and Stephen Covey, I'm a huge fan of. And we set up a workshop because an, an attorney in our mastermind introduced me to the book for the four disciplines of execution. And when I read it, which was on a beach in December in the island of Curacao. And when I read that book, I was like, this is amazing. I can't put this book down. And it's such a phenomenal book that could impact my life. And Jeff and Jamie, one thing that, I, how I value a book is, does it have any impact on how I live my life? That's how I value books. So for, for example, uh, there's a 1937 book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. In every engagement, in every interaction that I have with people, that book has an impact on what I say and what I do. It is that powerful. And it will, it will always have that impact on me. And so the reason why I say that is when I read Streaking and the Four Disciplines of Execution, I was like, wait a minute, this can profoundly impact uh, how, not just how we think, but the results that we get. Because everyone has great ideas, but how many put those ideas into execution? And execution is far more important than great ideas. All the great people throughout history that have had great ideas have been people who execute upon the ideas. Hmm. And so what, that is what, what got me going when I, I just ran, I bought your book because I wanted to learn more about you before you gave the workshop. And when I read Streaking, I just like the four disciplines of execution, I couldn't put the book down. And if you open it to any page, what you'd find out is I've marked <laughs> it up every single page uh, with notations, and I've reread it and actually I keep it in my briefcase every day and I will randomly read pages from it. And because what I found is streaking has a very powerful impact on your life if you do it consistently, daily, weekly, monthly. And I, I'm more than happy to share with you a few examples of what we've done, if you'd like. Yeah, please do. That. Yeah. Well, let's begin. The four disciplines of execution. My law firm on January 8th of 2021, it, it, Google reviews are extremely important. It's just to anyone who does it, who's serious about internet marketing, 
consumers will look for you and hire you based upon Google reviews. If you don't have any, you're you're probably not going to get hired. If you've got some great Google reviews, well, you've got a great chance. Every single day, people call my law firm now and they say, we've read your Google reviews. They are amazing. We want to hire you, right? So I know Google reviews are important. And so in January 8th of 2021, my law firm had 124 Google reviews. I read the four disciplines of execution. I built compelling scoreboards that are visible to our team about lead measures, lag measures, the whole thing. And I started documenting on a daily basis the progress we were making with a single laughably simple lead measure, which was making one at least one request for a Google review every day. So that was January 8th of 2021. Now we are on July 1st of the same year and we have 381 Google reviews. Wow. So we've gone from 100. Now, now to put this in perspective, we started our law firm eight years ago. And over the course of eight years, we, we acquired 124 reviews by streaking and implementing not just streaking the four disciplines of execution. We've gone from 124 to 381 in the course of six or seven months. That's a profound wow. impact. And we, our, our goal is to get to above, originally our goal was to get to 250 by January 8th of 2022. So we knocked we got, it out of the park. Yeah, we, we knocked out 250 in like the first three weeks. I mean, we were just crushing it and the reviews just kept coming. And so what I found out was when you streak by making a laughably simply, simple uh, activity, which is at least one request a day that... You might not, I might not have a review for a day, two, three, but on day four, all of a sudden I've got three, I've got four. And so it's inconsistent, but the consistency is in terms of the activity, not the results. And the results turns out have been amazing. And Mm -hmm. now we are well on our track to having 500 reviews by January 8th of 2022. And our original goal was 250. So we doubled that goal. And my goal, the B statement that is in my streaking journal, which I'm holding up, is uh, every single day I'll document the number of people who I request a review from. And thank you, Jeff, because you left me a review. And, uh, and then what I'll do is document how many I've received and how many requests I've made. So I'm documenting both the lag and the lead measures, and I'm seeing amazing results. So that is one example of a streak that combines not just streaking, but the four disciplines of execution, which I think work perfectly together. I yeah, agree. in fact, that's that's one of the areas where as I, so I've been with Franklin Covey for 10 years now and have really taught the principles of the four disciplines of execution for that 10 years. Six years ago is when Jamie and I started to work on streaking. And the reason why we did is because we saw what you said, which is that complete harmony between executing a goal, in other words, going for a goal, reaching for a goal, and standing on the floor of a streak. What we found is that you've got to have a floor on which to stand in order to get a goal. If you don't have a floor, you don't have anything to either fall to from your success or from your failure. You know, oftentimes when people reach a goal, 
they won't do anything else afterward for quite some time because they haven't established a floor. And that's what we love about streaking is it gives you a floor to say, even after I've published the book, or even after we've reached our goal of Google reviews, even after we've reached all these different things, the next day, I'm going to go right back to the floor of still asking for one Google review or writing at least one sentence or, you know, contacting at least one of my children or any of any of those things. Jamie, did you have, it looks like you had a thought. So I was just, so a couple things I thought is one, I'm amazed. So first of all, just what you said, Jeff, that they've reached their goal, but because of a streak, you continue to ask for those reviews. And I'm thinking about what this does for your company is, is one, first of all, I'm so excited that so much happens from simply asking. I think sometimes we dismiss that all you have to do is ask. You, you didn't have to do more than that. You just remember to ask and ask consistently. And because of that, people were willing to share. And then I also thought as you get going, I thought, what great information that you can have people review. If there's something that goes wrong and you get a negative review per se, you could find out something about your company that you didn't know what was going on and can be able to have the opportunity to change that. Oops, sorry about that. And so I just love this idea that the, the, the execution helped you set the goal and the streaking is what keeps it going even as you've reached that goal and surpassed that goal and will continue to benefit your company as you move forward. And Jamie and Jeff, the, 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 the so important thing about this is not the results, but the process. Right. And the process is what will eventually bring the results. And my favorite coach in American sports history is John Wooden. And John Wooden won 12 national championships with, with UCLA basketball. But he, his, if you ask any of his players, they'll tell you he never talked about championships. He never talked about winning. And he never talked about any of that stuff. All he ever talked about was in every moment of every day, maximizing your abilities, giving the best effort that you're capable of giving. And it, he knew that if you did that, that the results would come. And so John Wooden won 12 national championships and was the greatest coach in American sports history because he focused on the process, not the results. And yeah. what, what, what benefit would it be to a basketball player if we say, oh, we've got to win this championship? That doesn't help them in any way. It just puts more stress on them. <laughs> right. But if instead they go to every practice and they say, I'm going to be the absolute best I can be in this practice. In the next hour, I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can. And then the cumulative results of working your tail off will give you the results that you're looking for. So they come naturally. But John Wooden emphasized the process. And one of the quotes I love from John Wooden is success is never final. Failure is never fatal. It's courage that counts. And what he means by that, if we fail and we have a bad day, you just keep moving. You keep moving the forward. You don't quit. And when John Wooden focuses on the process, and I'd love to give you another example, if you don't mind. You know what? Just before we do that, though, we're right at the end of our time. (laughs) And we've, I think that's a perfect quote to end on. And we'll pick this up in our next podcast. It's so refreshing to hear that because what we want to go to in the next podcast is we'll be talking about with John, not only about his professional streaks that he talked about with the law firm, but also we'll, we'll start to talk about some of the personal, spiritual, and also physical streaks 
streaks that he has as he keeps going on. You can tell as we talk with John, it's just phenomenal. Uh, fellow streakers, we look forward to the next time that we talk with you. In the interim, if there's something that you want to share with us, please do at Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y at streakingmastery.com or Jamie at J-A-M-I at streakingmastery.com. Or you can follow us, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn. And as John said, you can write a review for the book. Reviews are wonderful. Yeah, we love reviews. Absolutely. Well, until next time, and when we continue this conversation, keep streaking. Ooh.